Good to be with you all this uh, Sunday morning. We're glad to worship uh, God uh, together. My name is Warren Brosey, one of the ministers here at Berlin Church, and I want to invite you to your Bibles, to the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, and we're going to spend some good time in God's Word today. About a year ago, I had the opportunity to uh, go on a sabbatical. You were so generous to give me several weeks off to spend time with my family and to spend time uh, praying and just being with God and resting and refreshing. And this sermon series is, was birthed out of that experience from last summer. So part of it is it was just stirring in my soul, so I wanted to share it. The other part is I just wanted you to kind of have some an accountability for the investment that you made in me. So again, I just want to say thank you. And uh, last August, the year ago this month, I uh, had a lot of time at the Benny Family Farm. It's just outside of Trenton, Missouri, in northwest Missouri. And it's become a special place in our family's life just to be able to go to a quiet place. And Beth and the kids came for, uh, you know, off and on during the month of August before school started. But a good chunk of August was spent just with me and our golden retriever, Lily, and my Bible and a couple other resources. And it was just a good time to just be quiet and just think and just be. I want to highlight a couple books because they were helpful for me. And I think they'd be helpful for you. One is Invitation to Solitude and Silence by Ruth Haley Barton. It's fairly small. Uh, So this would be a good resource. So if as you're hearing the sermon today, you're like, I want to know more, this would be a good book to help you. In each of these uh, chapters, she gives you some practices like, okay, if you really want to do this, here's what you can do with some quiet time. We talk about quiet time. So this was really good. Uh, The second book that was helpful... Uh, was by Wayne Cordero called Leading on Empty, uh, Refilling Your Tank and Renewing Your Passion. And so you've you ever kind of just been at the end of your rope and you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Uh, this was a good book. He talks to preachers, but I think there's some truth for everyone in this material. Uh, just talking about keeping life centered and be healthy. Uh, so those were two good resources. So had fun last August pretty much quiet, journaled a lot, uh, got to ride with Uncle Jim and haul some soybeans to the elevator a few days. But for the most part, it was just a quiet place to be. And so I want to invite you uh, that if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to follow Jesus, we must follow him to the quiet places. That's really the sermon in a sentence today. If we want to follow Jesus, we must follow him to the quiet places. And so I want to talk about this practice of solitude today. It's something that we really don't talk about. When's the last time you've even used that word in a sentence? Solitude. And so what are we even talking about? I want to unpack some definition stuff, and then we're going to get into the gospel text. Are you, are you following me? So solitude, here's my own words. Here's how I describe it. It's an ongoing practice to be still before the Lord to experience His goodness. That's my definition. I don't know where it came from, but I'm just, as I'm thinking about what this looks like, it's an ongoing practice. So this is something you really need to do every day. You got to be still. You got to just have some time to be quiet. Were you uncomfortable early in the service by that moment of stillness? It wasn't very long, like maybe 20 or 30 seconds. We need to be more comfortable with silence. And so to be still, and then to experience God's goodness. A lot of times we think, okay, I'm going to spend time with God, and then we feel like he's just going to beat us up. 
or we feel like we're just going to have all this guilt and we're just going to feel worse than we started, most of the time, when you come have time with Jesus, you're going to feel better as a result because you're spending time with the one who loves you. So ongoing practice, be still before the Lord to experience his goodness. Here's what Richard Foster says in another great classic, Celebration of Discipline. We can cultivate an inner solitude and silence that sets us free from loneliness and fear. Loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. So here what we need to talk about is, you know, what's the, is this like lonely, isolation, scary stuff? We've had enough isolation the last couple of years. Would you agree? We have some dangers here we need to address. And so solitude actually addresses this fear and loneliness and isolation. When things go bad, you get afraid. And then sometimes you start feeling lonely. And then if you don't address it in a healthy way, then you become isolated. I think that's why sometimes people haven't come back to church is because they've gotten so isolated, they don't even know how to find their way back. And so maybe we need to go and reach some people. And so this idea of solitude is the opposite of isolation. Are you following me? And so when we get into isolated places, those are dangerous places to be. We're away from God, we're away from people, we're away from the church. And so we're not talking about isolation. We're talking about something different, something about filling us, not emptying us. John Mark Comer, another book. I've, I'm giving you lots of books today. Don't read all these at once, but, but get some of these and read them, okay? And so John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This is a little bit bigger, but he's got a lot of white pages paces in here. And so this is another helpful resource. It's on the Right Now Media that I'll give a commercial for at the end of the sermon, but here's the book if you want to look at it. John Mark Comer, here's what he says about this idea of, you know, isolation, solitude, how do we work this out? He says, solitude is engagement, isolation is escape. Solitude is safety, isolation is danger. Solitude is how you open up to God. Isolation is painting a target on your back for the tempter. So isolation is what you do and you get in trouble for because you're hiding something. We're not talking about that. And so if you're in those places, then there is help for you. And, I, and solitude is the way to help forward. Wayne Cordero in his book, Lean on Empty, last quote, and then we're going to get in the Gospels. He says, solitude is a chosen separation for refining your soul. Isolation is what you crave when you neglect the first. You're going to go find a quiet place somewhere. And so the choice is, are you going to go find your quiet place with the Lord Jesus, or are you going to find it in some unhealthy habit? An addiction. That's what we're talking about today. So we're on this journey of rhythm, and the rhythm is a place and a time of quiet space with Jesus. It's a rhythm of solitude, and its cousin is silence, where you just have to be still and quiet. The gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all find Jesus in these quiet places. Each one of those writers highlight Jesus going off to a quiet place. And so what I want to do is highlight five. I went back and forth, four, five, four, five. So I picked five, five different texts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I've not put the verses on the screen for you today. So you're going to, I want you to follow along in your Bibles. There's pew Bibles in front of you. You can get your phone out, follow along. We're just going to be in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So once you find Matthew, 
we're just going to be right there. I've also put the page numbers for the Pew Bible. So I really would like for you to open a Bible today or find your phone, follow along in the text today. But these five texts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John just show us Jesus going off into quiet places. And the word for quiet place is wilderness, desert, it says lonely place, solitary place, desolate place. I want to say it's the woods. He just, he just went off into the woods. But he went to a quiet place or the desert or the wilderness. Are you ready? First time, uh, we're going to come to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus began his ministry in solitude. It's on page 785 in the Pew Bible if you want to follow along. Page 785, Pew Bible. Matthew chapter 4, it's also recorded in, Luke, in Mark 1 and, Mark, and Luke chapter 4. But here's what's happened. Jesus has just been baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan River. And then he heads up to the Judean wilderness. Are you ready for this? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is the quiet place, the desolate place, the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. So one of the first things that Jesus does in his ministry, he doesn't go preach a sermon. He goes with the Holy Spirit off to a quiet place where he fasts and he prays. So if we want to follow Jesus, we must follow him to the quiet places. Does that look like a place you want to spend your next vacation? I can still remember being at the Jordan River, one of the places I believe Jesus was baptized. And you can turn from the Jordan River, and Casey Scott, one of my classmates and friends, was on the trip, and he says, Jesus left this life-giving Jordan River to go there. Does that rock your soul a little bit? That that's where he went, right after he was baptized. So my friends, when you get baptized, just get ready. That's coming. So you must be ready. But this was a quiet place. There's nothing there. Rocks, not even trees in that picture. And what did he do? It says he fasted, which means he didn't eat. And he spent time with his father. So if you want to follow Jesus, we must follow him to the quiet places. He did time, he was led by the Spirit, he wasn't alone. Some of the trends, some of the verses in, in Mark's gospel, he says that the Spirit threw him out into the wilderness. They picked him, almost like he picked Jesus up and threw him out in the desert. Sometimes we might need that. But he spent this time alone uh, with his father, connecting, much like some of the other great leaders in the Bible. You remember Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness. David spent many a lonely night out there watching those sheep. The Apostle Paul, it says he went to Arabia for a while. And the last time I checked, Arabia is kind of a quiet place too, not a lot of trees. So they had some of these places where they just went and were quiet. Missionary martyr uh, Jim Elliott, he knew of this battle. He says, I think the devil has made it his business to monopolize on three elements, noise, hurry, and crowds. Satan is quite aware of the power of silence. 
So I want to invite you to create some more silent space in your schedule. For some, maybe you're going to just say, I'm not going to listen to music or noise on my way to work in the morning. That might be one way you create some solitude in your life. But I want you to think about ways that you can start your day in solitude. So Matthew reminds us Jesus began his ministry in solitude. Mark reminds us that Jesus began his days in solitude. So I want to invite you to go over to Mark's gospel now. It's right after the gospel of Matthew. Matthew, Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It's on page 812 if you want to follow along in the Pew Bible. Mark chapter 1, we read this verse earlier, so I just want to, last week, so I just want to catch it in passing. But Jesus began his days in quiet time. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place. That's our word. Same word as the wilderness. Went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus began his day in quiet time. So I just want to encourage you, like we talked last week, prioritize quiet time with Jesus in your schedule. For some of you, it's going to be very early before it gets daylight because you want to see the sunrise. You get your cup of coffee and you find your space. For others, it might be morning and evening, like the psalmist says, I meditate on your word day and night. For others, it's going to be at the end of your day. You're going to kind of use that as a process to think through your day and then get you into a your happy place to go off to sleep. Whatever it looks like for you, I want to invite you to schedule some quiet time, ongoing quiet time with Jesus in your schedule. Jesus began his day in solitude. You keep going in Mark's gospel to chapter 6, verse 31. Here's our third one. Jesus invited others to rest in solitude. Jesus invited others to rest in solitude. Mark's, Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Mark six thirty-one. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they, that's Jesus and the disciples, they did not even have a chance to eat. Have you ever been had one of those days where it's like so busy, didn't even have time to eat lunch? Some of those days come. So he says, they were, so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves, to a quiet place. It's the word for wilderness, desert, the woods. And get some rest. Get some rest. I didn't think I could sleep as much as I did last summer. I did not think I could. After I took nap after nap, I'm like, there's no way I can still be sleepy. Uh, but I got to a place where I was finally was able to unwind some stuff. And it just was able to rest, and it felt so, so good. And I I feel like I'm still living on some of that banked-up sleep from last summer. I'm hoping I could kind of keep that routine good, you know, just stay good, take care of myself, but physically. But you look around, people are tired, aren't they? They're tired. And so Jesus says, you come with me by yourselves to a quiet place to rest. Ruth Haley Barton in her book, Invitation to Solitude and Silence. She says there's two types of tired. There's good tired. There's dangerous tired. Good tired, you've you've said that sometimes. I'm tired, but it's a good tired. It means you've done a good job or you've done something fulfilling or maybe you've invested in in a ministry event here or gone to NYR. You're like, I'm tired, but it's a good tired. And so you've done something worthwhile. It's it's important. It's valuable. It's life-giving. But it's physically, you know, it wears you out. That's a good tired. But then there's the dangerous tired that she uh, uh, highlights. 
She says there's another kind of tiredness. It's more ominous. Uh, It's what I call dangerous tired. It's deeper, more serious than the temporary exhaustion that follows periods of intensity of schedule and workload. The difference between good tired and dangerous tired is like the atmospheric conditions between uh, a harmless spring rain clouds and those that bring an eerie greenish sky and the possibility of a tornado. When the sky is green like that, you're not quite sure what's going to happen, but something doesn't feel right. You know you had better pay attention. One atmospheric condition is normal, predictable. It's normal rain shower. The other is risky and volatile. Dangerous tired is an atmospheric condition of the soul that is volatile and pretends the risk of great destruction. She continues on, she says, when we are dangerously tired, we feel out of control, compelled to constant activity by inner impulses that we may not be aware of. For some reason we can't quite name, we're not able to linger or relax over a cup of coffee. We can't keep from checking voicemail and email one more time before leaving the office or before going to bed at night. Or we can't stop cleaning or doing repairs and projects in order to take a walk in the evening or be quietly available for those that we love. Rather than reading anything for the sheer pleasure of it, we, uh, our nights, we pile the nightstand with books and professional journals that cram our heads full of information to keep us at the top of our game. The idea of taking a full day off once a week seems impossible, both in theory and in practice. We rarely, if ever, take a break or real vacation, choosing instead to work through holidays and break times. Not surprising, even when it's time for well-deserved sleep or rest, we may be unable to relax and receive this necessary gift. And I wrote on the margin, ouch, that's me. At times. I'm working through that. And so there's a balance. You know, we've got to do stuff. We've got to work. I'm not saying we don't. But we just need to have those rhythms where we build in time to be still, to be quiet with our Lord So Jesus invites others to rest in solitude. It's a gift. And he invites you to come. Let's go to to Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 5, where we see that Jesus spent time in prayer in solitude. You're like, okay, preacher, uh, let's carve out this time. What am I supposed to do? Well, two things, really. Uh, You read your Bible and you pray. And you, three, I guess, and listen. Uh, We don't have a, a sermon in this series on just reading your Bible. We spent five weeks in January, if you remember, from Psalm 119. So download that series into this little moment of reading your Bible. That's what you do. You spend some time in God's Word, and you pray. But in Luke chapter 5, verses 15 and 16, uh, it's another example of Jesus going off to pray. And so Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, that's on page 835. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. That's our word again, the quiet places. He withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often, which seems to me ongoing, so we need to have some habit, we need some rhythm here. Withdraw. Two things happening in this word. One is, uh, like, far away, or at least far enough away that you can get away. And it almost implies like you have to sneak away. You've got to sort of be crafty to get out of this. So that's something to think about uh, when we're thinking about withdrawing and spending some time to pray. 
And so uh, we just get away and we pray, we listen to what God is saying. But sometimes you've got to physically get away to a place. So I want to invite you to think about what would that place look like for you. We've been through Matthew, Mark, Luke. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. This is the one that surprised me when I was reading through the study of you know, where Jesus shows up in the wilderness or in the woods, in the solitary, quiet places. I'd forgotten this one. And so it's in John 11, verse 54. It's on page 872. John 11, Jesus has just raised uh, to life his dear friend Lazarus. Lazarus has been raised to life. You would think everything's going to be great. Uh, We're going to have a party. Uh, Let's celebrate. Uh, But one problem, Jesus has raised Lazarus to life, and the Jewish leaders, and Caiaphas specifically, they're not liking what they're seeing. Jesus is taking more control. People are flocking to him, and they're like, look, the whole world's going out to him. And then Caiaphas says, it's better for one person to die than for our nation to perish. And as a result, they start to plot to take the life of Jesus. So there's intense opposition. We're in John chapter 11. And here's what Jesus does. John 11, verse 54. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness, went to a quiet place, to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. So sometimes Jesus is there by himself. Sometimes it's with his closest friends, his disciples. So I'd say that you know, sometimes there's a place to retreat from opposition in solitude. Maybe you need to just get away for a little bit, a certain amount of time, and reflect. Maybe there's some things going on here. So I need to step back away. Jesus didn't go away. He came back. You go just to chapter 12, and he's going to ride into Jerusalem as a triumphant king. But at that point, it wasn't time for him to go to the cross yet. And he retreats with his dear friends to a quiet place away from the opposition. About 13 years ago, there was a season in my life where there was just conflict. You just kind of have that times. You know, just, there's just times, and it's very draining, and my wife said, you need to go away. You need to go to Ma Benny's, to the farm. And so uh, uh, I talked, oh, I didn't think I'd. So I was talking with the leaders at a leadership meeting, our elders and deacons, and I just said, hey, I think I need a few dates to go away. I'm pretty sure I said, I'll come back. Uh, but I just need a few days to go away. And uh, Don Robertson was at the table. Don's one of our elders, faithful man of God, went to be with Jesus a few years ago. Don was the quiet one at the table. He didn't say much ever other than it's time to move on to the next item of business. But I just said, hey, I think I need to go away for a few days. And Don just said, if he needs to go, we better let him go. Case closed. It was done. I just felt the weight of the world and lifted off and he just support. And he, I remember him saying earlier, years ago, when I was, uh, had more hair and it was darker, uh, he would say, if we want him to stay, we need to let him go. 
And so uh, he just realized that I just need some time to be away. So I went away to the family farm. I'm sure there were cookies there with Ma Benny. I don't remember anything she said to me. I don't remember anything I said to her. The two memories that stand out is just me sitting on the dock of the pond just watching. I probably had a fishing pole. I just spent hours just sitting there. And I remember being up in the bedroom, and I'm sure I had my Bible and maybe a journal. I don't remember much of anything other than just decompression because there was just stuff in my soul that just needed sorted out and sifted through and bitterness that was not good, eating me up, and just junk, you know. So I just got away. But I came back, and that stuff was still there. But I had a clearer mind to face it, and I had some things off my chest where I was able to to see things a little clearer. So sometimes there's importance to step out of a situation for a day or two or three or whatever, selected amount of time, and then come back and resolve it. Uh, So Jesus retreated uh, with his dear friends for a moment, and then he would come into Jerusalem as that triumphant king and embrace his destiny for the glory of the Father to rescue us from our sins. So there's those five examples. I could give you more, but I just want you to think through that. Jesus began his ministry in solitude. He began his day in solitude. He invited others to rest in solitude. He spent time in prayer in solitude, and he also retreated from opposition in solitude. So to help you this month, we are recommending the the Right Now Media series, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So I want to encourage you to check this out. Uh, lesson two in this is on solitude and silence. It was 14 minutes. I listened to it uh, this week, and so it's, it's real helpful. If you don't even know what I'm talking about right now, media, it's uh, videos, it's stuff you can download and just listen to uh, that's just Christian teachings. And so we try to provide a resource that goes along with the sermon series. So that's what this is available. Completely free. Uh, text Berlin CC to number 49775. And we'll walk you through it, or if that's too much, just call the church office and we'll help you. Uh, but it's a free resource. We'd love for you to take advantage of it. Spend 14 minutes and listen to his lesson this week as a follow-up. So what's this look like for you? Here's my four suggestions. One, turn off the noise. Just turn off the noise. People talk about there's external noise and internal noise. External noise is actually pretty the easiest one to fix, to turn off, because it's just a button. Turn off the radio, turn off whatever is just making noise. Just turn the physical noise off. That's what's so fun about going off into the woods. You get to hear other noises that you would never hear because it's all drowned out by other stuff. So just turn off the, the noise. Uh, but the noise in our heart is what's hard to turn off, isn't it? It's the, you know, the conversation that was, you keep replaying over and over of what they said to you or what you said to them or what you're going to say to them next time, da-da-da-da-da. And so that stuff's hard to turn off. Or the, the to-do list or the shopping list or whatever's on the agenda. So that's the harder part to turn off. I wish I had a magic butt bullet to just say, here's how you do it. Uh, and Ruth Haley Barton says, take some deep breaths. That's a good way. Just good, deep, cleansing breaths, get centered. Others say just write the stuff out. Get it out on paper and then just kind of get it off your brain that way. That might be a way to help turn off the noise. So I want to invite you to turn off the noise. Number two, get outside. 
let's just get outside. Uh, it's really hot out, I know, but there's times where it's going to get cooler. And usually in the mornings it's been better, this, but this week it's been pretty hot, even at six, whatever. So, but try and get outside. Uh, I love my Missouri Conservationist magazine. They always talk about every so often the health benefits of just walking in the woods. There's something that happens in the woods that just doesn't happen anywhere else. Get outside. Let God speak to you through his creation. Number three, uh, look for minute retreats. So this is for the busy mom and dad. You've got little kids at home. You've got babies. You're changing diapers. And you're like, yeah, preacher, right. I'm going to get quiet time. Not in my house. I get it. We've lived there and have done that. Uh, Susanna Wesley is the mother of John and Charles Wesley, great preachers. She had a house full of kids. This was her practice. She had an apron, and she would put her apron over her head. And that was her clue to the family. I'm reading my Bible. Leave me alone. So she'd she'd put her apron over her head. She'd have her Bible. Now, obviously, there's still plenty of noise going on. But that was her time. This is me and Jesus' time. And she'd have her Bible. Maybe something like that where you get a cue to your kids, your family, saying, this is Jesus and me time. And you find that space. Uh, It's going to look different for the working mom and dad than it will be for the empty nester. It's just going to look different. You're in different stages. Don't feel guilty. It's okay. The main thing is, Find your place. Find that way to get into this rhythm, which is number four. Find your place. You just need to have a physical place. Jesus, each of these texts, he went somewhere. Sometimes he had to sneak away, but he went somewhere physically. It was in the Judean desert. He was in these quiet places. Find a place where you can go regularly. It needs to be in your home or wherever. Here's where it's been for me lately. My front porch swing. My front porch swing, I get up, I read a psalm, I underline one verse in that psalm, I write some things down in my little steno notebook, and then I just feel the breeze. That's what I've enjoyed most about my uh, morning solitude time lately, is feeling the breeze, because it's been pretty hot and muggy. Wednesday morning I woke up, I'm like, it's this hot now? It's going to be really bad by the afternoon. It was just, it's hot. But there's certain times of day where you just can feel the breeze or you hear the birds or you see it. Just observe stuff and just let God speak. So I have some, some of my encouragements for you today. So think about one way that you can take something from today and start putting that into practice. Let's get this journey of rhythm. If we want to follow Jesus, we must follow him to the quiet places. What's fun about this time of quietness is that it helps us with our relationships. And so some of you are like introverts. You're like, you're preaching my language, preacher. I love being away from people. And there's others like, I need people or I'm going to die. And so you need to find that healthy rhythm of what looks good for you. But the the two relationships, our relationship with the Father is going to directly help our relationships with one another. We need both. We cannot do it on our own. We need the church body, we need the family of God, we need our Father. And so that relationship really is so well displayed in what we're going to do now in our communion. Communion.